Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, tonight the message, Jealous and Zealous. We're going to begin with a familiar portion of scripture in 1 Kings 19, the account of Elijah, discouraged, left northern Israel, made his way down to the cave in the mountain, and how the Lord dealt with him there. Elijah had just experienced this amazing victory on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal, against the Baal spirit that had taken hold in the land, people of God worshiping false gods, and God had answered by fire. And Elijah had slain the prophets of Baal. But the next day a threat came out on his life by Jezebel. And Elijah also realized that the response of the people of God to the Lord and to what had taken place was largely superficial. And he fled for his life. It's quite a journey. He went about 300 kilometers south from northern Israel down through Israel itself, down through the patchy wilderness area, and made his way down into the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, where Moses originally had gathered the people of God. Quite a journey. You can tell how disheartened the man of God was, how broken down he was. Let's go to 1 Kings 19, verses 9 to 18. And there Elijah went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle the prophetic mantle, the call of God, and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Jealous and zealous. 1 Kings 19.14 in the New King James Version says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. And the King James says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. 
jealous and zealous. I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, Elisha said. I have been very, Elijah, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Our God is a jealous God. His name is Jealous. He has given himself fully to his people, and he longs that his people give themselves fully to him. The word means that he cannot bear any rival love. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He's given himself that fully to his people. He's held nothing back. He's paid the ultimate sacrifice, the death of his son on the cross, to come. Our God is a jealous God. Exodus 34 and verse 12 says, The Lord said to his people, Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images, for you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He's jealous for our love. He's jealous for our affection. He's jealous for our time. He's jealous for our passion. Deuteronomy 4, 23, take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He's jealous over us. And Elisha could say, I have been very jealous for the Lord. He said, I am very zealous for the Lord. The Bible says we are not to be lagging in zeal, Romans 12. Not to be lagging in any way in zeal. And that we are always to be zealously affected in a good thing. We know what it says of Jesus in John 2:17, as he cleansed the temple, the first time drove out the money changers, those that had defiled the temple, taken up space, where the Gentiles, the nations were to gather, the, the Gentiles couldn't even get in to pray, to seek the Lord, because the place was taken up with merchandising and selling the sacrificial animals, that people that came up to the feasts at exorbitant prices. Jesus cleansed the temple. Then his disciples remembered that was, it was written in the Psalms, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And I trust that we have that spirit in us tonight. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Jesus cleansed the temple twice, once at the beginning of his ministry in John 2, and then in Matthew 21, just prior to his arrest and crucifixion. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. This is where the thieves gather to stalk their spoil. Matthew 21, 12 to 13. Zeal for the Lord. Zeal for the Lord. Jealous for God. Zeal for God. You know, we had a definition in the 1970s of a fanatic. Somebody who was an extreme believer. Somebody 
radically fervent for Jesus Christ. You know, I think we had some radical praise and worship warriors in the house tonight. Some people would say, well, that's extreme. Say, well, that's a fanatic. Well, you know, the definition was back then, a fanatic is somebody who, somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. A fanatic, somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. Jealous and zealous. It's the right thing. It's the right thing. It's the way things should be. What do you do when people are not as jealous and zealous after God as you are? Be careful, because it can drive you into a cave like it did Elijah. It can really put a knock on you. Elijah, I've been very jealous, Lord, for you. I've been very zealous for you. But he saw what was happening in the nation. He saw what was happening around him with his own eyes. And it disheartened him and discouraged him so that he fled and play, took a place of isolation. He pulled back from ministry. He pulled back from zeal. He pulled back from jealousy because it hit him that hard in the spirit. What do you do when people don't serve the Lord, when they don't seem to have regard or interest, disregard the house of God and spiritual things, don't value the things of the kingdom like you think they should, like the Bible says they should? What do you do when family doesn't serve the Lord? Those close to you, it can really hit you hard in the spirit. It can drive you into a cave. It drove Elijah into a cave. But God came to get him out. The Lord came to get him out. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah was down. He was discouraged. He was disheartened. With all the effort he'd given in prayer, spiritual life, trying to reach people, trying to reach family, trying to reach a nation. Broke him. He began to entertain thoughts within himself. Language was entrenched in him. There were words that he rehearsed inside of his emotions and his feelings that began to capture him and hold him captive. 1 Kings 19 and verse 10 and verse 14. The Lord says, what are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for you, Lord. The children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your preachers to the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Verse 14, the Lord said to him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? Same response. This is how rehearsed, this is how ingrained this was in his spirit. He said, I have been very zealous, Lord, for you, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. It's sad if you put yourself in a place of 
I alone. Be careful when you say I alone. That's where Elijah had come in himself, I alone. But what he was saying and what he had received in his own spirit were not the truth. The first part of those verses is true, but the last part was not true. He said, I'm left alone, but he wasn't. I alone, I'm dealing with things alone. I'm all on my own. I'm isolated in the battle and the warfare of my spiritual life and even my life in the nation. But it wasn't the truth. We cannot let our feelings override the facts of God. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We spurn our feelings. We spurn our sight if we have to. Because God said to him, Elijah, it's not true. I've reserved 7,000. There's a remnant that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone, but he thought he was. Is there anyone here tonight that thinks they're alone? I alone. I alone am left. That's how I feel. Nobody cares about me. Nobody backs me. Nobody's praying with me. Nobody's interested in what I'm going through. God said, Elijah, 7,000. There's 7,000. You need to get back up into Israel. Find that remnant. Find those people of God that have the zeal and jealousy for God that you do. And get involved with them. And serve me with all your heart. Elijah, what are you doing here? Discouragement can put you in a cave. But God wants to take us out. Number one tonight. Don't let the discouragement of others discourage you. Pick up your mantle. Don't let the discouragement of others, I'm saying the discouragement that others can put upon your spirit. Don't let the discouragement of others discourage you. Pick up your mantle. That's what God said to Elijah. Don't let the discouragement of others discourage you so that you Make your way out into the wilderness and cast yourself under a wilderness shrub and like Elijah say, it'd be better for me to die than to live. Situations and people can certainly discourage us. Numbers 32 verse 9. People of Israel, when they were invited by God and commanded by God to go into the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey. Come out of the wilderness where you've been living. I've got a land of promise, a land of wheat fields and vineyards and olive groves, a land of springs and waters, a land that is blessed by the God of heaven. God called it the glory of all lands. That little sliver of land in the Middle East is the most beautiful country in the whole world, all in one. Twelve spies went out, and ten came back with a negative report. Numbers 32.9. For when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, so that they did not go in. They discouraged the heart of those who were not discouraged. And the Bible says, so they didn't enter in. They took on that discouragement from other people. They did not go into the land which the Lord had given them. 
Deuteronomy 1.28, Moses says, repeating that, where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we, the cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Ten spies came back. Ten. Two spies had a good report. But what were they among the million and a half or two million people? Those, that congregation of the Lord, those people who listened to that report as those spies came back and those ten had a negative report, a report of discouragement, that congregation of the Lord should have risen up and said, we don't receive your report. We believe the report of the Lord. We believe the promise of God. We don't receive your report. We believe what Moses told us. We believe in the goodness of the Lord for us in the land ahead. We believe what Caleb and Joshua have reported. We believe that report. We're not listening to you. We turn aside your discouraging report. We're going to go into the land as the Lord our God said. That's what they should have done. I mean, we sit here today and wonder, how could they not do that? But what do we do in temptation and trial? What do we do when we're tested? Go up and take the land, the Bible says. Go up and take the land. Don't let the heart, don't let the discouragement of others discourage you. Over and over again, as you come to the last chapters of Deuteronomy and into the book of Joshua, over and over again, six, seven, eight, ten times, I don't know how many, the Lord said to his people, do not be afraid. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be very courageous. Don't turn back. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't be fearful. Be of good courage and go and inherit the land. It shows us the disposition and tendency of our hearts, the human heart to despondency. When we hear something negative, when we hear something discouragement, it's easy for our emotions and our feelings to take hold of it. But God says, don't do it. Take the report of the Lord. Take the report of the Lord. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and very courageous. I say, sounds like ramping up the people. Listen, those words God spoke then, and I just rehearsed them tonight, those are not some words of a human motivational speech that'll pump you up for a few hours or a few days, and hopefully you can keep going. Those words, be strong and of a good courage, are the very words of the living God, and they are filled with power. They are filled with power to those who will receive them and believe them and declare them. Don't let the discouragement of others discourage you. Pick up your mantle. Elijah picked up his mantle. He wrapped his face in the call of God. His mind, his weary mind, all those perplexing, confusing thoughts, all that difficulty, all that confusion, he wrapped his face in his mantle to hear the voice of the Lord in his life once again. God took him out of the cave. Number two tonight, don't let the discouragement of others 
cause you to start saying things you shouldn't say. Wow. Don't let the discouragement of others cause you to start saying things you shouldn't say. I alone am left. Wasn't true, but Elijah had it so down in his spirit that that's all that came out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what he'd allowed to get into himself, but God broke it that day. Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Moses, in Psalm 106, 32 to 33, Bible says, they angered God also at the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses on account of them because they rebelled against his spirit so that Moses spoke rashly with his lips. Moses spoke rashly. Moses spoke unadvisedly with his lips. Moses did not sanctify the Lord with his language or his action because of the pressure in his emotions, negative ways, because of the response of the people in their complaining and murmuring. And because of it, he blurted out with his lips out of an anger, ill-advisement, and God said, because you didn't sanctify me, you can't go into the promised land. Wow. Moses had been waiting 40 years to go into the promised land. They were at the doors. But he spoke unadvisedly, he spoke rashly with his lips. He didn't sanctify the Lord. And the Lord said, because of how you acted and what you said, you're not going into the promised land. Say, wow, that sounds pretty harsh. Well, the, more you, the longer you walk with God, the less leeway you have to say what you want and how you run your own life and how much flesh comes in compared to spirit. The longer you walk with God, it narrows. Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah was discouraged. Wow, what a nation. Here's the prophet of God. So much hardship, such heartache against him. Nation didn't want to serve God, and he was there with the word of the Lord. Finally got to him. Got into his spirit. Jeremiah 15, 19, in the Amplified. Therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you repent and give up this mistaken attitude of despair and self-pity, then I will restore you to a state of inner peace so that you may stand before me as my obedient representative. And if you separate the precious from the worthless, examining yourself and cleansing your heart from unwarranted doubt concerning my faithfulness, you will become my spokesman. Let the people turn to you and learn to value my values, but you, you must not turn to them with regard for their idolatry and wickedness. Thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you repent, give up your despair and self-pity. I'll restore you, and you'll stand before me. Separate the precious from the vile. Examine your own heart. Take away anything, unwarranted doubt concerning God's faithfulness, and you'll be a spokesman, 
and let the people turn to you. Jeremiah, don't you move. Don't let, you, don't let discouragement take you out. Be careful what you say. Number three, remember that the Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Two young warriors out of a vanguard of 600 men. Nobody else would take up the fight. Jonathan and his armor bearer, two out of 600, said there is no restraint to the Lord from saving by many or by few. What a principle. Now, it's nice to have the many. Don't get me wrong. And you know it's true. It's nice to have the many. But if we don't have the many, it doesn't count us out. The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. How many fishes do you have, Jesus said? How many loaves do you have? Well, there's, there's uh, seven loaves here and a few small fishes, but what are they among so many? Watch and see if you get them in the right hands. If you get them in Jesus' hands, miracles take place. He doesn't need a lot. He needs commitment. He needs faith. He needs a people who love him with all their heart and will walk with him. He needs people who are zealous and jealous for him. That's all he needs. 1 Kings 19, 18, the Lord said, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. God said, Elijah, there's 7,000 people up there in Israel. You haven't even scouted them out. You don't know where they are. You've got a self-pity attitude. You think you're all alone. There are 7,000 people up there. Get a fresh anointing, Elijah. Open your eyes. Cast off your self-pity. Cast off your discouragement and despair. And Elijah did. He took up his mantle. He retraced his steps up to northern Israel, and he found that remnant. He began to train young men and women for the ministry. He began to anoint Elisha. He anointed some kings. He started having meetings on the feast days and on the Sabbath days, and the people would gather for healing and life and teaching and worship, and the power of God came into the land. And you never read that Elijah felt lonely or discouraged ever again. He put his life in with those who had a zeal for God and were jealous for God's ways. And it lifted him up. 7,000, you say, out of a few million people, what's that? The Lord is not restrained to save by many or by few. They held the light and salvation and word of God in that nation. And people knew, if I need a word from God, if I need a touch from God, all I have to do is get to the schools of the If I can just get to that local church, if I can just get among those people of God, my needs will be met. My life will be lifted. Whatever plagues me will be broken off. My depression and my darkness will fall because the power of God is in the place. He got involved with the remnant, 7,000 that had not 
bowed the knee to Baal. Jesus said, let no one take your crown. Let no one take your crown. Don't let other people take you out. Don't let the apathy of a nation, don't let the casualness of a Christian culture take you out. Don't let discouragement by your family or your circumstances, anything like that, take you out. Let no one, Jesus said, take your crown. Stay faithful, stay zealous, stay jealous, no matter what other people do. The Apostle Paul said, let no one cheat you out of your reward. Let no one cheat you out of your reward. We're closing out with two scriptures. Isaiah 50, worship team, come. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore I will not be disgraced or confused or confounded or dismayed. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, like a hard rock. I've set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. What a word. It was a word prophetically. Of course, it relates to all people, but concerning Jesus Christ and what he would face, that he would have to set his face as a flint, because if anybody could have been discouraged, it could have been our precious Lord. The only one perfect man who ever walked this earth. And look what they did to him. That's the battle of the righteous. Jesus Christ set his face as a flint, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Luke 9, 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, he was going that final, those final steps up to Jerusalem. He'd face betrayal, arrest, such cruel, cruel punishment. Give his life on the cross. Most horrible death any person could ever die for the sins of the people. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face as a flint to the will of God. Let's stand together tonight. Let's set our hearts tonight. Let's set our face. Not sure. Maybe there's somebody in a cave tonight. You're discouraged. Jeremiah, if you return to me and put away this mistaken tone of despair and self-pity. Put your heart back into God's faithfulness. You'll be my mouthpiece. Maybe the actions of others have discouraged you. Maybe the lethargy of a lukewarm culture and cold world has affected you so that you're not as fervent as you once were or you know that you should be. I wonder tonight if we could put in our spirit again, I am very jealous for the Lord God of hosts that he be worshiped and adored and praised and given his rightful due in the house and that his people would gather unto his name and bless him. 
receive his word and receive his counsel. I am very zealous for the Lord God of hosts that he be served properly and fully and wholeheartedly. Let's pick, our, pick up our mantle tonight. Let God minister to us. If you keep saying what you do, I won't be able to use you as I would. Remember those words. Elijah, if you keep saying what you are, I won't be able to use you like I would. I'm alone. I'm alone. If you keep saying that, Elijah, I won't be able to use you like I would. You've got to change your words. You've got to change your heart. Change your confession. Receive the courage. Receive the strength. Set your face as a flint. I will not be dismayed. I will not be sir, turned aside. No one is going to take my crown. No one is going to cheat me out of my reward in God. I'm going to walk with a steadfast spirit. Jesus set his face as a flint to Jerusalem. Why don't we set our face as a flint in our pilgrimage to the heavenly Jerusalem, the celestial city, and make our way with joy, have an abundant interest, and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because we'll stand before him one-on-one -on -one to hear his voice. Well, let's thank the Lord tonight. The altars are always open. If you'd like prayer tonight, if you have if you're disheartened in any way, if you feel the Lord has spoken to you in some way tonight specifically and you want to seal that word in your heart before the Lord, of course you can come. The altars are open. Let's surrender ourselves to the Lord tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus.